Brooklyn's Radio. Anybody who's listened to Brooklyn's Radio over the last couple of weeks has heard us mention a beekeeping course that's going on in Weybridge. What I can tell you is it, it is fully subscribed, which is really good news. But the man who's running it, and apparently tutors on it as well, is Andy Halstead, and he's the chairman of the Weybridge Beekeepers Association. Good afternoon, Andy. Good afternoon. Thank you for coming on. I really appreciate it. Well, thank you for publicising the course. Oh, well, it's, um, well I, I have to say that there's a lot of self-interest in this conversation because I'm, I'm always fascinated by what other people's hobbies and what they find fascinating about it. And this one really, really does get me. How long have you been interested? You're the chairman of the Weybridge Beekeepers Association, is that correct? That, that's correct, yeah. yes. So how well, long have you been interested in bees? Well, I grew up with bees. My father kept bees, and so um, I, I've known bees pretty well much all my life and I've kept them myself now for about 40 years. Really? Really? So has that been a daft question, has that been your life looking after bees or have you got other hobbies, other interests? Oh, oh yes, I've got other interests as well. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just well, wonder whether you live. very much a, a sort of uh, you know, spring to, to late summer occupation so it gives you plenty of time for other things. Oh, I see. So it, it's a seasonal thing in that case. It is, yes. Okay. So, come on. What, are, what is the appeal of beekeeping? Well, they're fascinating insects. They are, of course, social insects. They interact with each other. And you, you, you watch your beehive, your contents of your beehive grow as the, the season goes on. So you start off in the spring with the relatively small colonies. They build up in strength. They bring in the pollen. They bring in the nectar and hopefully a good honey crop. Uh, and it's just, you know, the continual interest of seeing how they are behaving and performing. Wonderful stuff. It, it, so you're effectively watching life in front of you, a community grow and develop and behave. You are, and you're trying to manage them so that they uh, behave as you want them to. Okay. And we are only talking about honeybees, are we? That's right, yes. Okay. What other kind of bees are there then? And, and do people keep them in the same way that they keep honeybees or not? Well, the honeybee is the only one which is really semi-domesticated and can uh -huh. be kept. Uh, in Britain, there's about 250 species of bees altogether. So there's one honeybee, there's about uh, 20 bumblebees, and, and the rest are what are called solitary bees. See, I'm learning already, you see. <laughs> That's remarkable. Tell me, um, it's not just honey, apparently. I understand that there's things like beeswax and pollen. Are you, in, are you involved in that? Well, well, certainly. I mean, the bees make wax to, to produce the hexagonal comb, and they use that partly to store pollen and nectar and also, of course, to rear the larvae in. Mm -hmm. um, it's not something you specifically harvest. The bees will make it. Yeah. And, and, and when you make honey, are you making it for your own use? Is it, is it something you sell on or just share with your friends and family? I mean, how much honey do you get out of your um, hive in a year? Well, the bees make the honey. The beekeeper <laughs> takes the honey off the hives. Yeah, yes, yeah. Uh, it, how much you get depends very much on a number of different factors. Partly it's weather. You've got to have the right sort of weather. Mm -hmm. You've got to have the right sort of flowers in the area. And it also depends on how well you've managed your hives. Because if you've lost, a, say, a swarm of bees, you've lost about half or more of your bees. Mm -hmm. And in that case, you won't get much honey. But if everything goes right, you can get a hundred pounds or sometimes more from a single hive. If I heard you right there, Andy, you were suggesting that the environment was crucial to your ability to keep bees. 
Well, it is, yes. I mean, you've got to have flowers for them to visit. They get a certain amount from garden flowers, but most of their feeding is done off trees and wildflowers. Mm -hmm. Do you ever get people applying for your course where you say it's not appropriate for you because of where you live or, or the environment you're in? No, you can't keep bees pretty well anywhere, particularly in Surrey. It's perhaps a little more difficult in somewhere like East Anglia, where you've got vast acres of uh, cereals and other pl other crops which don't produce anything for bees. Mm -hmm. But in Surrey, you should be okay. Should be fine. And what, this is a really basic question here. I, it's a man-made hive, is it, in the first instance? Uh, yes, yes. I mean, in nature, before people started keeping bees, yeah. uh, bees would live in places like hollow trees. Uh -huh. But it's obviously much easier to keep them in a man-made hive, which you can open up and take out the frames and see what the bees are doing. So, so tell me, is it an expensive hobby? Because clearly you need to buy a hive. How much does a hive cost? I suppose size has got something to do with it. It's one of those hobbies where most of the expenses are up front in the sense that you've got to buy a certain amount of equipment before you can start. Uh -huh. um, uh, you can get a sort of beginner's bee kit of a, be, uh, sort of beginner's, uh, kit of, uh, a beehive and all the frames, hive tool, bee suit and so on, for around the sort of £150, £200. Okay. But on top of that, you may also want to get a honey extractor uh, you'll need honey jars to put the honey in. Mm -hmm. But these are things, once you've spent the money, uh, you don't have to spend that every year because this is equipment which will last for many years. All right, so it's an upfront cost is what yep. you're saying. Yeah. Okay. How much space do people need to have a hive? I mean, do you need a garden of a certain size or is it just as long as there's flowers and everything around you're fine? Well, bees, when they're foraging, they can go as far as two miles out and two miles back. So right. they're by no means confined to a particular garden. Um, in terms of space, you obviously need somewhere to put the bees where you can uh, do what is necessary. And you also need to consider how close they are perhaps to a neighbour's garden because uh -huh. you don't want them flying straight into the neighbour's garden. Yeah. I wonder how neighbours occasionally might react to a beehive right next door. Uh, generally good. I mean, if you're contemplating ha starting beekeeping in your garden, it's always a good idea to just have a word with your yes. neighbours <laughs> to let them know what you're doing and explain, you know... You don't quite need planning it. permission, but permission would be good. Yeah, you don't need yeah. planning permission, yeah. but it's, no. it's good no. to have your neighbours on side. Indeed, of course, a jar of honey goes a long way in persuading them. Of course, <laughs> well, several jars, I suspect. Tell me something that I, I don't understand. The queen bee. Yes. How does the queen bee gain that position right the queen bee is the only fertile female insect in the colony uh, accompanying her are lots of worker bees which are also female but they're infertile and there'll be a smaller number of males or drone bees now in a colony of bees they only normally want one queen at any one time mm -hmm. um, at certain times if for example the colony is getting overcrowded the bees will be aware of this and they will start to produce a new younger queens. And uh, once they've got a new queen emerging, the, 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 the old queen will leave the colony with about half the workers and go off in a swarm. Oh. So what makes a queen bee? Um, the egg which produces a queen is exactly the same as a sort of egg which would produce an infertile worker bee. Mm -hmm. But the difference really is where that egg is laid. If it's laid in one of the ordinary hexagonal cells, uh, the workers will recognize it as being a, a, a larva destined to be a worker. 
and he gets a certain ration of food. But if the queen has been persuaded to lay an egg in what is called a queen cell, which is much bigger, again, the, the worker bees will recognize that as a larva destined to be a queen, and that larva will get a much richer and bigger diet, and it's that which creates a, work, a, a, a queen bee as opposed to a worker bee. Mm, fascinating. It sounds like a power struggle at some point. Uh, between the current queen bee and the next set of queen bees? Or, or well, normally, the queen, if they're going to swarm, the old queen will leave before the new queen start to emerge. Yeah, okay. But once you've got uh, that situation oh. over, you, you could have several young queens emerging, and, and they will, yes, they can fight it out between them. Right, okay. How do you stock a hive? How do you stock it? Yeah. Where do you get bees from? Well, you can buy colonies of bees you normally buy what's called a nucleus hive or nucleus colony which is um, a small colony on about five or six frames the other way is to get a, a swarm and, and during the summer there are often swarms out and about uh, and if you're a beekeeper it's a good idea to be in contact or be a member of your local association so that when they get a call about a swarm um, if it's a uh, surplus to requirements it can be passed on you can go and pick it up yeah. <laughs> That's fascinating, absolutely. We're talking to Andy Halstead, who's the chairman of the Weybridge Beekeepers Association. And the reason we're talking to you, Andy, is just recently you've been advertising your course, um, which I think is something like 20 weeks, is it something like that? It's a 10-week theory course, which mm-hmm. takes place uh, from January to March. Yeah. And then that's followed by a practical course uh, from late April until June. So 10 weeks, uh, it sounds a lot of theory. It is quite a lot, but there's a lot of it stuff to learn. Yeah. Uh, it's a little bit like learning how to drive a car. Uh-huh. You know, you, it's, it's not a simple matter of leaping into the car and off you go. You, there's a, a quite a few things you need to pick up, and it's the same with beekeeping. Have you, have you had examples of where people haven't looked after their hive and, and haven't achieved what it is they intended to do when they started out on beekeeping? That does happen. Um, <laughs> with the students we get, they are often a mixed bunch. Some are very good, they pick it up quickly and they know what to do and they will do it. But you get some people, I'm afraid, who um, really aren't that motivated and they tend to start off perhaps cleanly, but after a while they begin to neglect the bees, they don't look at them so often, uh, and those are the ones which have trouble. And when you say look at them, what, what, what does looking at them mean? In, in so looking at them means opening up the hive and seeing what's going on, uh-huh. and you really need to be doing that at about every seven to nine days from around late April through to uh, early August. One of the main things you're looking for when you do that is signs that the bees are about to start swarming. Mm-hmm. Uh, and you can, what you're looking for is uh, development of que- these queen cells. Uh, and if you see that, you can do something about it which uh, persuades the bees not to swarm because you don't really want them to swarm because you could lose uh, a lot of your bees. So it, it's a lot more complicated than I suspect. Other, lots of people, including me, think, um, you know, it's not a matter of sticking a hive, putting some bees in it, and then picking up the honey every now and then. No, in, in times gone by, you could do that if you didn't mind swarms emerging from time yeah. to time and perhaps settling in your neighbour's garden. <laughs> but the big problem these days we have is um, a problem with a parasitic mite called Varroa. Uh, this has come into the country about 15 years ago. And if you neglect your bees, if you don't do anything about the varroa situation, you'll find within 
perhaps two or three years the colony has died has simply been overwhelmed by varroa mite and also the virus diseases which the mite helps to spread within the colony. So if you're going to do it, do it right is what I'm hearing. That's right. Okay. I want to thank you. Your dad did your favour, Andy. There's no question about it. He gave you a passion. Have you got children? Have you passed it on? Uh, no, I don't have children, no. But you're, you're passing it on through your enthusiasm and sugar, your courses. Yes. You know. Andy, I want to thank you very much for coming on. Andy is the chairman of Weybridge Beekeepers, and Weybridge Beekeepers will get them the website. Is that correct, Andy? They just put that in. That's right, yes. Okay. Thank you very much for coming on. I appreciate it. Okay. Thank you. If you've enjoyed this podcast, why not keep up to date with The Sound of Surrey by listening live at brooklandsradio.co.uk or through our free mobile app.